Welcome back to the Podcast Positivity Show with your host, me, Marlena G. Good day, good people. It is a Saturday afternoon, September 28th. I hope everybody is enjoying the weekend. Stay tuned for our weekend kids show. And not only that, we have the weekend inspiration and so much more. Hang out with me for a while. I look forward to it. Welcome today to all of our different churches, all of our network churches, those of you from countries all over the world at Church Online. We're in the second week of a four-week series called Alter Ego. Uh, This is based on my brand new book called Alter Ego, Becoming Who God Says You Are. Uh, If you're at a Life Church location, these are available today uh, for half off the cover price And if you pick one up, I hope that it really ministers to you or whomever you decide to give it to. Let's talk about altar. If you'll notice, altar is spelled A-L-T-A-R. This is an altar. If you know anything about church history, you know um, all the way back into the Old Testament, an altar was a place where people would lay something down before God. It's a place where we would make a sacrifice to God. And ego is who we think we are. It's what we think about ourselves. And unfortunately, so many of us, we have an inaccurate view of ourselves. We think too highly of ourselves, or we think too lowly of ourselves, and we don't really know who we're supposed to be. So in this message series, what we're going to try to do is sacrifice who we think we are, so we can become who God says we are. We're going to lay down different characteristics of our ego on the altar of God so we can become who God says we are. And I want to show you where we're going in this series, where we've been and where we're going, if you're taking notes. Last week, by faith, we decided to lay down our feelings of inadequacy. And we saw that God sees more in us than we think. God has given us more than we think, and it's less about us than we think. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to lay down our need for control. Next week is my personal favorite of the four weeks. We're going to lay down our right to be offended. We live in a culture where people are looking for reasons to be offended, and we're going to see um, why that mindset actually offends the heart of God, and I believe God will speak to many of you in a really significant way as he has to me. And then the fourth week will probably be the most broadly helpful as we're going to lay down our longing for approval, because we know the quickest way to forget what God thinks about us is to become obsessed with what people think about us, and that's where so many of us are living. Let's dive in today, and by faith, we're going to try to lay down our need for control. I'd like to ask all of you at all of our different churches, you guys in Stillwater, Oklahoma, play along with me, you all in Fort Worth, Texas, all of our network churches, how many of you in some area of your life, you really like to be in control? Raise your hands up right now, raise them up high. If you find yourself trying to raise the hand of the person sitting next to you, You need to take really good notes because this message is specifically for you. It's really interesting to me how almost everybody I know, we try to control some area of our lives. And there are some pockets that we're really control freaks in those areas, but then there are other areas where we really aren't at all. For example, some of you, you may be really controlling at work. Everything's got to be just the way you want it, but at home, you're rather laid back. 
Then you may be sitting next to someone, and they're the exact opposite. At home, man, it's, I mean, do it this way or die. You know, but at work, they're rather relaxed. Uh, it could be some of you, you're very controlling about your finances. You need to know where every single penny goes, but when it comes to your children, you just kind of let them run off and don't even try to really influence them much at all. You're controlling in some areas and not in others. Um, in our family, uh, Amy, she's rather laid back when it comes to what I would consider major life direction decisions. She just trusts God trust me, trust that we'll make the right decision, and she doesn't get uptight at all. But when it comes to her kitchen, oh dear Jesus, okay, she's got more laws than the Pharisees did. They had 613. I mean, she's got laws for every portion of the kitchen. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you. There's like, you can't turn the water pressure on past a certain amount for a certain amount of time. And I mean, she's into it. Okay. Me, I don't care about the kitchen. Whatever you say goes. But when it comes to the remote control, there is only one person in our house ordained by God to handle this very important piece of spiritual machinery. And that is yours truly, the divine remote controller of the universe. Because every man knows it's not so much about what's on as what else might be on. And so we can sincerely watch 12 to 14 different shows at one time. It is a God-given gift to those who are chosen, you know. And so it's interesting how we really do get riled up about some things, and then in other areas we don't. And if we look at our lives, we'll find that we typically will try to control two broad categories of things. Most of us, we try to control people, or we try to control circumstances. We try to control people. There may be someone in your life where there's one or two things about them that you just don't like. Yeah, there's the saying that God loves people and has a wonderful plan for their lives. In this area, you're like God. You love people and have a wonderful plan for their lives. You want to help them see what you see and get them to do what you want them to do. And so you will manipulate you will bribe, you will offer rewards, or you will withhold rewards. You'll use passive aggressive behavior. You might even threaten without even knowing it. So often we will try to manipulate the behavior of others because we really believe we know what's best and we want to control those around us. It may be your co-workers, it may be those who work for you, it may be your children, it may be your spouse, but we want to be in control. We also will try to control the circumstances, okay? We want to look just right. We want our houses to be just perfect. We want our kids, when they go out in public, to be the perfect representation of us in every single way. We want to control our schedules and the future and the schedules of the people that we love. We want to control what other people think of us. We want to control people and we want to control circumstances. And why do we want to be in control? Because our ego is out of control. Because we really believe that we know what's best. That in your life, we're God-like. In our circumstances, we're God-like. Because we so know what is the right thing to do that it is our right to enforce what we know should happen. In fact, Ken Blanchard, he says that ego, E-G-O, spells edging God out. Edging God. God out. I so know what is right that I'm going to force it and not trust God. I'm going to edge God out. In fact, for those of you that are control freaks, you have a theme verse. It's Proverbs 3, um, verses 5 and 6, and I've given it to you from the CFV translation. And this is how your theme verse goes. It says, trust in the Lord with what? All of our different churches, you all in Owasso, help me out. Trust in the Lord with 
some of your heart. And lean on your own what? The, the, this version says, lean on your own understanding. In how many of your ways? Everybody say loud. Wellington, Florida, come on, give me some love. In what? In some of your ways, acknowledge God and what's going to happen, and you will make your path straight. The CFV, the control freak version. Now, some of you, you may not have been around the church or the Bible, and you hear that, and you go, well, sounds reasonable. Yeah, sounds like a good plan for me. But I need to tell you honestly, that's not what the, the real um, translation says. The real translation tells us that we should trust in God with how much of our heart? With, with all of it. And we should never lean on our own understanding because we don't know that much. But in all of our ways, we should acknowledge him. And not us, but he will make our paths straight. What's really interesting is the more that we try to control something, the more we fear losing control. And the more we fear losing control, the more we try to keep control, and suddenly we spiral into a cycle of fear. Many of you right now, you're thinking, mm, I hope old so-and-so's listening, because they really need to hear this, okay? The challenge is control is very difficult to see in the mirror. It's very hard for us to see our own need for control in the mirror because we legitimately think that we know what is best. We're edging God out, and we don't even know it. So what I want to do today is um, give you an example of control gone bad, and then we're going to ask three questions that honestly can be application questions that you take with you to apply to this area for the rest of your lives. Uh, let me show you a story from the Old Testament about a couple uh, originally named Abram and Sarai, their names were changed to Abraham and Sarah, who had a tremendous problem like most of us with wanting to control the outcome of certain situations. Uh, you can read one story early on in their lives when um, Abram was worried about Sarai's safety, uh, thinking that some men might do something inappropriate to her. And so rather than trusting her to God, he took control and he lied about who she was and said, hey, she's really my sister, and he took control as they often did. The biggest example, though, is when God said um, to them, I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be the parents of many nations. You're going to have so many descendants, it's going to be more than the, than the sand on the seashore, more than the stars in the sky. And God promised this childless couple who for years they were unable to conceive, God says, you're going to give birth, and there's going to be many nations born from you. Incredible promise. But when God didn't immediately do what God promised to do, over time, Abraham and Sarah did what so many of us do. They tried to take control of their own destiny, and they stepped over God's promise. We see this in Genesis 16, verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. Everybody say Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps what? Everybody read this aloud. Perhaps I can build a family through her. In other words, I know God promised, but he's not doing it in my timing. Therefore, I am going to take control because I know what's best. I'm going to edge God out, and I'm going to take control. There are two things to remember from this story and two things to never forget. Thing number one, whatever you do, never, ever, ever, ever sleep with a woman named Hagar. <laughs> right? And number two, don't ever forget rule number one, okay? <laughs> Abram broke both those rules, and this is what the story says. The text goes on. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So, verse three, after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai took uh, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. He slept with Hagar, she conceived. When they edge God out, um, it's impossible to describe all the chaos 
what taking control did, not just in their lives, but for centuries and centuries to come. In fact, if you read on in the story, um, Hagar gave birth to a son named Ishmael, and sometime later, God did bless Abraham and Sarah with a son named Isaac. And there was more tension than you can imagine between Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac. And here we are centuries later, and the descendants of Ishmael, the Palestine, uh, Palestinians, are um, still often at war with the descendants of Isaac, the Jews. And there's entire wars, and you've got, the, you've got Muhammad um, from the lineage of Ishmael, and then you've got Isaac and the Christians. And here you see all this world chaos, and it all traces back to when a couple decided to take control and to edge God out. Now, chances are all of you are sitting there going, okay, I understand that, but I'm never going to sleep with my maidservant called Hagar. Don't even have a maidservant. But what you are going to do is you may be a single girl, and the clock is ticking, and you love Jesus and want a Christian man, but since there is no Christian man around, you settle for a man. And you just say, hey, he's good enough for now. I'll try to make this work. And you force something, you manipulate it, you compromise, and you settle for something that's less than God's best because you're going to take control and you're going to edge God out. Or it may be financially. Uh, You're a strong follower of Jesus. And you know that, that the tithe belongs to God. But you rationalize, you compromise, you take control, and you say, well, we'll do that later once we're out of, of debt. Or we just, we're not going to do that at all. And you take control of something that really belongs to God, and you edge God out. Or maybe you want something, and you want it bad, but you can't afford it. So what do you do? You edge God out, and you manipulate it. You find some way to borrow, and you make a very bad long-term decision for a short-term benefit because you're going to edge God out and you're going to make it happen one way or the other. Here's the big application question I want to ask you, and I want all of you to participate. Really, really important. I want you to ask yourself and be very, very honest and write something down on your notes, confess it to your life group, uh, talk about it with those you love, and here's the question. What are you trying to control? What are you trying to control? What is it that you're trying to control? Is it people, you know, your children? Uh, Maybe it's your grown children. Maybe it's the way your grown children raise your grandchildren because they're not doing it right, okay? Uh, Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's your image. Maybe it's what people think about you. I want you to go ahead and take a moment and write down, what am I trying to control? Or you can sit back and say, I'm not doing this stupid exercise. This is stupid. I'm not going to do stupid. I'm not writing anything down. I don't even like this. I'm not going to do it. Okay, very good. You stay in control and prove my point, okay? What are you trying to control? And when you identify this in your life, I want to give you three questions that you can ask over and over and over again that I really believe can help you learn to lay down what you're trying to control and trust it to God. The first question we're going to ask is this. Is it worth my concern? All of our churches ask that aloud. Is it worth my concern? I need you to do it. All of our churches, come on, you had Edmund, do it aloud. Is it worth my concern? In fact, one time whenever Jesus was visiting the house of Mary and Martha, Martha was trying to control something that didn't matter that much. She wanted everything perfect. And she's freaking out, saying, Jesus, get Mary to help me out. She's lazy. She's not doing anything. And all I want the house to be just perfect because you're here, Jesus. And Jesus looks on and says to Martha in Luke 10, verse 41 and 42, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This isn't worth getting upset about. Is it worth my concern? So many of us, because of our inflated egos, we're trying to control things that don't matter that much. That a month from now, it's not going to matter a lick. So I would ask you, does it really, really matter if someone doesn't fold the towels just right? 
I just set someone's future free. I can feel it. I can feel it in the spirit right now. Does it really matter if your grade school son goes off to school and his hair is not combed perfectly? Will that alter his chance to get into Harvard one day? Will it send him to hell or to jail or both? Now, does it really, really matter? Does it really matter, guys, if your wife comes back and leaves trash in your perfect car? Some of you go, well, Pastor Greg, that does matter. No, 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 no. Does it really, really matter? Get your panties out of your you know, loosen up is not that big of a deal. Is it worth my concern? Everybody ask that question. Come on, one, two, three. Is it worth my concern? For example, out of my own life, um, I've always wanted to have a nice yard. Always wanted to have a nice yard. I never understood, like, when to fertilize, when to put down seed, how much to water, and so I just never had a nice yard. Well, a really cool guy from our church is helping me with my yard, and so he's puts down seed at a certain time and says, water this much, and here's the right kind of fertilizer, and, here, and it's the most amazing thing. It's like, there's actually green grass with no weeds, and it's incredible. And for the first time in my life, I drive up, and I have this nice yard. Well, the problem is, I've got two sons that love to play soccer, and the only place in our very tree-ish yard that they can play is right in my very front most beautiful part of the yard. And so right there in my dream come true yard, there is the biggest, ugliest dead spot you have ever seen. Pristine Garden of Eden beauty with this dead spot from where my two sons play soccer. Well, I'm just beside myself. Love my kids, but by golly, I want a nice yard, okay? Finally, it dawned on me, and I mean like deeply dawned on me, that I need to embrace the dead spot with everything in me. Embrace it, love it, fall in love with it, thank God for it. Because one day I'm gonna have grass in that spot and I'm gonna have a beautiful yard and no boys in my front yard playing soccer. Embrace the dead spot. Is it really worth my concern to have grass there? When I've got the greatest blessing, two kids playing together every single day, is, is it really worth getting upset about? Is it worth my concern? Ask yourself. When you're trying to control something, ask yourself, is it worth my concern? Second question we're going to ask is, is it mine to control? Everybody ask it aloud. All of our different churches, come on. You guys in, uh, in Albany, New York, say it aloud. Is it mine to control? And the answer is sometimes yes. It's yours to control. There's something for you to do about it. There are other times the answer is no. Because surrendering control is not the same thing as relinquishing responsibility. Those are different things. You should still be responsible when you can. For example, if you are messed up financially, you should still cut back on your spending. Can you do something about it? Absolutely you can. You can learn to budget. You can get a mentor. You can cut up your credit cards. You can do something about it. If your marriage is messed up, can you do something about it? Absolutely. You can pray together. You can join a life group and have others speak into your marriage. You can initiate counseling. You can start doing a version reading plan together. You can have date nights together. You can do something about it. If you're a guy and you haven't been on a date in seven years, do you just trust God with it? Well, yes, but also do something about it. Get involved in church. Go somewhere. Take a bath, for God's sake. Brush your teeth. Put on some deodorant. Sell your Xbox. Get out of your house. Have a life. Smile at girls. Ask them out. Can you do something about it? Yes, you can do something about it. But there are some things that you just cannot control. And you ask yourself, is it mine to control? Is it mine? And there are some things you're going to have to say, no, not at all. These things are not for me to control. In fact, James chapter 4, verse 13 and 14 shows very clearly there are some things in which we have no control over whatsoever. James says to us control freaks, now listen you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. He says, you think you can 
iron everything out. You can plan it all out. You just know exactly what's going to happen. He says, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. You don't even control tomorrow. How do you think you can control even a year from now? So you ask myself, is it worth my concern? Is it mine to control? Is it worth my concern? Is it mine to control? Or, if you're taking notes, is it for God alone? Is it worth my concern? Is it mine to control? Or is it for God alone? Ask those questions over and over and over again. Is it worth my concern? Hey, embrace the dead spot. Get over it. Is it mine to control? If I can do something about it, I will. Or is it for God alone? In fact, Paul told the Philippians something very powerful in chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. He said, don't be anxious about what? All of our churches say it aloud. Don't be anxious about anything. How many of you are anxious about something? When are you anxious? When you're trying to control something that is not yours to control. Don't be anxious about anything, but in what, he says, but in everything. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. What do you do, everybody? Say it aloud. What do you do? You present your request to God. You give it to God. You trust it to God. You lay down your concern to God. You surrender it to God. And when you do, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, you give it to God. What does Scripture say will happen? Scripture says, and the what? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love this. When you give it to God, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you try to control something you can't control, you're anxious. But when you give it to God, you have peace. So many of us, because of our ego, we're trying to control it, and we're stressed and worried and anxious and consumed with fear because we're trying to control something that's really for God alone. When you surrender it to God, he gives you peace. So here's some application questions I want to ask you, and you say aloud yes or no. Can you change your spouse? Okay, some of you, this is not a trick question. No, you're like, well, I think I can. No, you can't, okay? No, you can't. You can love your spouse, you can pray for your spouse, you can encourage your spouse, but you can't change your spouse. So what do you do? If your spouse needs changing, you love them, pray for them, and you trust them to God. You stop trying to control and you trust them to God. Can you heal your loved one that is sick? Can you do that? No. Can God do that? Yes. So what can you do? You can pray for them. You can encourage them. You can help them get good medical advice. And then ultimately, what do you do? You trust them to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can you control your future or the future of your children or the future of anyone that you love? Can you control the future? No. What, what can you do? You can pray. You can plan. You can give wise counsel. You can make wise decisions. Does God control the future of those you love? The answer is yes, and so what do you do? You give it to God. I want you to think for a minute about um, Abraham. What did he want more than anything else? A son. What did God give him? A son. What did God ask him to sacrifice? His son. For those of you that maybe didn't grow up in the church world or know this story, most amazing thing, God promises him a son and then asks him to lay down the life of his son. It's crazy. It's mind-boggling. It's a, it's a story that makes me nauseous to think about. And so this father, who for years and years prayed for a son, tells his son, we're going to go up to the top of Mount Moriah and we're going to make a sacrifice. And the son carries the, the wood and, and they're walking up and maybe holding hands and, and the son looks up and says, Daddy, um, where's the animal for the sacrifice. And Abram looks at his son that he loves more than anything in the world and says, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And the guy who wanted to control everything walks up to the top 
builds an altar and takes his son and puts him on the altar. Raises a knife to sacrifice his son and an angel says, don't lay a hand on him. I see you trust God. And Abraham looks over in the bushes and there's a ram right by the spot of the sacrifice. And scripture says in verse 13 of Genesis 22, Abram went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abram called that place, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. When Abraham finally surrendered control, of that which he wanted most. He saw the miraculous provision of God. When he stopped edging God out, but instead started exalting God only, he surrendered what he valued most, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding guarded his heart and his mind because the Lord provided. I came to tell somebody today you're trying to control something that's not yours to control. And when you try to control what's not yours to control, you will be filled with anxiety. But when you take what belongs to God only and you lay it down on his altar, you will know God as Jehovah Jireh, which means he is our provider, that he will provide everything you need because we are not God and we shouldn't edge him out. But we lay down even what we think we want so God can ultimately give us what we need. I will not be in control. I trust God with those things that belong to him. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Father, today we pray that you would set some people free. God, that you would minister to us deep within our hearts. And God, instead of edging you out, we would trust you completely. As you pray today at all of our different churches, there are some of you, you recognize, oh man, I didn't realize I had such a problem with this, but I really do. I'm trying to control this or that or someone's idea of me or my image or some people or certain circumstances. And today by faith, I want to give this to God. Is it your concern? Some of you, you need to let something go. It doesn't really matter. Let it go. Embrace the dead spot. Some of you, is it mind to control? If it is, do something about it. If it's not, then it's God's alone. And today, by faith, you're going to give it to him. All of our different churches today, those of you who would say there is something I'm trying to control, it's really outside of my jurisdiction, I am anxious about it, and I want the peace of God by faith today. I put it on his altar. I lay down my need to control and trust it to God. Would you lift up your hands right now if that's you? All of our different churches, just in a moment of faith, all of our different churches, hands raised all over the place. God, thank you for those today who, um, who are exalting you at this moment instead of edging you out. I pray, God, that um, we would trust you and give what we're trying to control to you. Not take it back, but give it to you. God, to, to believe that you are sovereign and you are good and you have plans for us. Even when we don't understand, God, we choose to trust you. God, I thank you today by faith that as there are those who maybe for the first time ever are trusting something to you, God, I thank you that the peace that you provide that goes beyond our human ability to understand, it will guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. As you keep praying today at all of our different churches, I've got really good news for a bunch of you. Um, you've been trying to do what is maybe one of the most common problems that, that um, people around the world for centuries have tried to do, and that is you're trying to be in complete control of your life. When it comes to spiritual things, I know for me, I wanted to be in control of where I stood before God 
growing up, I thought, hey, I'm going to try to be good and not be bad so I can, so I can win the approval of God. And, and, and if you've ever felt like that, what I want to tell you is, is you could never, ever accomplish that. Our problem is we are not in control of God's standard. His standard is perfection, and we all fall grossly short. God said that our sin, it separates us from him. And the only way we can be made right with him is to surrender completely all control to Jesus, trust in him who was perfect, him who was without sin, him who died on the cross and rose again so we could be forgiven. There are those of you that you need to surrender to him as the savior of your life. You can't save yourself. Some of you, you need to take a step even beyond that and say, not only will he save me, but I want him to be the Lord of my life. Not just Savior, which is more self-centered, but the Lord, which is God-centered. I I want to serve him only. Here's the reality. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, listen carefully. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, you cannot be in control. Because to follow Jesus is to surrender control of your life to him. At all of our different churches, there are those of you, you realize, I need to trust my life to God through Christ. I need his salvation. I need his forgiveness. I don't want to just make him just the savior of my life, but I truly want to surrender my life to his lordship under his control and his direction. I want him to lead me and my life to count for him. All of our different churches, there are those of you who say, yes, today I surrender to him. I give my life to him. Savior and Lord, I give my life completely to him. Would you lift your hands high right now? All over the place, lift them up and say, yes, that's my prayer right here in the middle section and right up here, here as well. God bless you. Others of you, I just want to look at you and see you, both of you right over here and sir right here. Praise God for you, man. Bless you. Others of you who'd say, me too, way back over here in this section. God bless you guys. Man, right here in this middle section, right back over here, sir. Praise God for you. Others of you today, right back here in the back. Church online, you click right below me. Right back over here in this back section. Yes, I surrender completely to you. Would all of you pray with those around you? Pray, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me new. I believe Jesus died for me. And he rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could serve you for the rest of my life. You are my Savior. You are my Lord. My life belongs to you. Thank you for new life. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, would you worship big time? Welcome those today born into God's family. Don't ever take this for granted new life. In Christ Jesus. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I really believe I have something special to share with the world. And Anchor is helping me do that. And I love how easy to use their podcasting tools are. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to Anchor FM Start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's Anchor FM Start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome to the Weekend Kids Show with Marlena G. Today we're going to learn about being scared. 
Mike, what are you doing? I'm watching this strange little bug fly through the air. Why? Well, do you ever wonder what he's thinking in this little bug brain? Not really. Is he worried about his next little bug meal? Finding a bug wife, settling down, having a little bug family? Or is he confused by a giant creature that's staring at him fly around all day? I didn't think of that. Hey, I'm your friend. Don't worry. Where'd he go? Ow! Oh, now I have to have a little bug funeral. We are Connect HQ. Every day we help the people of the world live God's way. We look for the links, make the connection, and you never know what might happen. My name is Mike, and this is the time the what-ifs took over. Does that bug bite still hurt, Mike? <sighs> it just itches like crazy. Oh, new mail. I'll see what we got. What does it say? My name is Benny. All my friends from school are getting sick with the flu. I feel fine, but what if I get sick too? I don't even want to go outside. I'm so worried. Help me connect HQ. Oh, too worried to go outside? That's... It's no good. Hello? Hi, I don't think we've met before. I've never been to Connect HQ before. My name's Fern. I was hoping someone could help me. Oh, absolutely. My name is Mike and this is Harper. How can we help you? Well, at school yesterday, we took this really big test. I won't know my score until next week and I'm really worried that I didn't pass it. Well, did you study? I studied every night. But what if it wasn't enough? What if I didn't pass? I'm getting a headache, I'm so worried. Another worried person. Maybe we can help Benny and Fern at the same time. That's a great idea, Harper. Worrying just makes us miserable. Instead, we need to say, I trust God instead of worrying. I trust God instead of worrying. Exactly. Worrying's not going to make your test score better or keep the flu away from you. Hey, Maurice. <coughs> hey, guys. Maurice, this is Fern. You should get that cough looked at. I think dust just got stirred up when you came down. I heard you guys say something about worry. I know the perfect skit vision verse link for that. That's awesome. Let's see it. Well, I can also help with that flu problem. I found this great website, symptomtracker.doom.gloom. Symptomtracker.doom.gloom? What is it? Well, what you do is you put in your symptoms here, and it tells you what your condition is. See? Uh, I don't think that's what we need right now. Or you can type in the condition here, see, flu, and that'll tell you what symptoms to look out for. That way we can help Benny know what he's looking for. Hmm. Uh, here we go. Coughing, headache. She was just coughing. And earlier she said she had a headache. The coughing was from the dust, and the headache was from the worrying. But what if it's more than that? What if you're getting the flu? I am not getting sick. I am not getting sick. But what if you are? Do you want me to get sick too? No, I don't want that. Are you chewing gum? It smells really good. Oh, I love this gum. I love the red color and how soft it is. Wait, did you say you can smell my gum? If smells can get in, then germs can get out. Maurice, you scared me. I swallowed my gum. Well, this says that soft red gums could lead to displaced dental dysphoria. Different kind of gum, Maurice. I don't have displaced dental dysphoria. But what if you do? I don't want that. Ooh. Uh, how often do you swallow your gum? The symptom tracker says that that could lead to borderline waistline misalignment. You two are not sick. Not yet, but what if we get sick? All this worrying is making you too miserable, and it's keeping us from getting any work done. And worst of all, it's making me be the voice of reason. Maybe... This Bible link I found for Benny will help you too as well. This is the story about the God who loves us in the Bible. We find truth and purpose to love God and love others. We're searching God's word for things to discover.
is alive. One day, Jesus noticed a crowd was beginning to follow him. So he went up to a mountainside to teach them. And this is what Jesus said to them. It is pointless to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or clothes, your life is worth more than any of that. Look at the birds of the sky. They don't plant or harvest or store food away because your heavenly Father takes care of them. And aren't you more valuable to Him than they are? Could worrying add a single moment to your life? And don't worry about what your clothes look like. Look at the lilies of the field and see how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing, and yet they are beautiful. And if God cares so much for the lilies that only last for a little while, why wouldn't He care for you? You don't need to ask the question, what if? Or worry about things like, what will we drink? Or eat? Or where? Your Heavenly Father knows all your needs before even you do. Don't worry about tomorrow, because that will just bring more worry. Choose to live for God. And he will always take care of you. Nothing is too small or too big for God. Worry is worth nothing. God's got this. I've never thought of that before. Birds and plants don't ever worry, and God takes care of them. If he wants to take care of them, imagine how much more he wants to take care of us. See, we don't have to try to control every situation with our worry. God is in control. He knows what's best for us. So we should just put our trust in him. The symptom tracker has done it again. Girls, run. Save yourselves. Now, it took a little bit of time, but the symptom tracker was finally able to determine why you're scratching so bad. I just got a bug bite earlier. That's all that is. Not according to this. The symptom tracker says that with the scratching and the redness and the flaky skin, you have cedar rust. Cedar? What? I do not have cedar rust. I don't even know what that is. I've never heard of it. Well, that's the amazing part. It's a disease that only affects trees. You're the first human to ever get it. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Okay, it says here that we can prevent the disease from spreading if we cut off the affected limbs. Whoa, you are not cutting off my arm, and I do not have cedar rust. But what if you do? Hey, everyone. Hey, Maurice. Does anybody have the verse link for our transmission to Benny? Maurice, didn't you say that you had the skip vision video earlier? That's right. I got so wrapped up with symptomtracker.doom.gloom, I forgot about it. Here, I'll pull it up right now and put it on the big screen. What a beautiful day to get out on the lake. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm out of water. Oh, no. It's okay, like 100 feet from shore. But without that water... All we have left is this water bottle. And this water bottle. And if we drink these, we'll only have the gallon jug of water left in the backpack. Rodney, we're not going to need that much water. I can literally see my car over there. But what if we get stuck in the water? What if an eagle swoops down and steals our oars? Why would an eagle do that? Okay, no. Even if for some strange reason an eagle takes our oars, we'll use our hands to paddle back or we'll just swim to shore. What if the lake is full of piranha and they swim up to the surface and they eat our hands? There are no piranha in this lake. What if the park rangers decide to empty the lake and we get stuck on the riverbed? We can't walk all that way. Why would they drain the lake? I don't know. Probably because of the piranha. <laughs> Rodney, it sounds like you've got a lot of what-ifs. Well, I've got a what-if for you. What if you give your worries to God like it says in the Bible? It says that in the Bible? Yes. In the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 7. Say it with me. 1 Peter 5, 7. 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God. Give all your worries and cares to God. For He cares about you. For He cares about you. Wow. That feels amazing, giving all my worries over to God. God loves us. We can go to Him with anything. Does that make you feel a little less what-if-y? It does. How do you feel? Um, a little thirsty. Can I have one of your waters? If you have some to spare. <laughs> Poor Rodney. 
Look how anxious a person can get when they don't give their worries and cares to God. Rodney sure did look silly worrying the way he did. But at least he wasn't wearing a silly mask while he was worrying. You're right, Mike. All this worrying has made us all look silly. We drove ourselves crazy worrying about all the bad things that probably won't even happen. We forgot about how much God cares for us. Being able to say, I trust God instead of worrying, not only makes us feel better, but also brings us closer to Him. I'm sorry, guys. I was so obsessed with my symptom tracker, I didn't see what an effect it was having on you. We forgive you, Maurice, but maybe it's time you take that app off of your tablet. First, I forgot the verse, and then I didn't notice what was going on around me. This says that forgetfulness and failure to notice details may be signs of neural noggin syndrome. Where's that prospector's brain? Maurice, do you need to watch the Skip Vision video again? Mike here, and thank you for your question, Benny, and sorry to hear all your friends are getting the flu, but don't worry. It's pointless to worry about a situation you have no power to change. But you're probably wondering, how do I stop worrying? The Bible says we can take all our worries and hand them over to God. Like this, 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. If you're worried about catching the flu or how you did it on a test or making new friends, tell God all about it. He'll take care of the worry because He loves you. Jesus reminds us that God takes care of the birds and the plants. He values you so much more than those birds, so you can be sure He will take care of you too. There's no need to worry. One sure way to know that you are worrying is when you start asking those what-if questions in your heart and mind. Or when you feel like something bad is going to happen, even when everything's okay. God is in control. And worry comes when I try to control things that I need to turn over to God. Everything works better and I feel better when I trust God instead of worrying. I hope that helps, Benny. And remember, Connect HQ is here to help you. I can't believe I actually put this on my head. It is kind of cool, though. Luke, I am your father. The reason we don't have to worry is because God cares about us. He showed us his love by giving us Jesus. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, all you have to remember are the ABCs. A. Admit. Admit that you've done wrong and ask God to forgive you for disobeying Him. B. Believe. Believe God sent Jesus to take the punishment for your sin. Trust that you're forgiven because Jesus made you right with God. C. Choose. Choose to spend your whole life depending on God's power to help you say no to sin. As you live and love like Jesus, tell others God is your leader and number one friend. If you want to make the decision to follow Jesus, talk to your parents or a leader you trust. Thank you for listening to the Weekend Kids Show. It's time to go. Here's our inspiration for the day, Many Waters, provided by Life Church on the Open Network.
drown this flame Where our kingdoms rise and fall Your love for us shines on In the storm, in the dark I will hold to your heart In sun and smoke of war This Podcast Positivity Show on Radio Public. It's free, easy to use, and helps listeners like you find and support shows like mine. When you listen to my show on Radio Public, everyone benefits. How, you ask? Because Radio Public rewards podcasters with the paid listeners rate. And for you, the listener, it's free, easy to use, with no hidden fees, charges, or credit card signups needed. Listen on iOS and Android. It is time for our daily prayer. Today I would like to go to my prayer manual and pray a prayer for applying the blood of Jesus over your lives. The most important thing you can do. Heavenly Father, we bow and worship and praise before you. And we apply the blood of Jesus Christ over ourselves. Each person that we have prayed for today, from the tops of our heads to the soles of our feet. We apply the blood of Jesus over us, over those airwaves that surround us, over us and under us, over telephone lines, over our homes, properties, offices, cars, trucks, businesses, finances, marriages, ministries, cell phone frequencies. And we ask you to render powerless and harmless and nullify the power, destroy the power, cancel the power of any evil spirit, demonic spirit, demonic strongman messenger of Satan and witchcraft prayer that tries to come into our presence, our homes, everything in our homes, our pets, our properties, our cars, our trucks, everything in our cars and trucks, our marriages, our finances, our ministries, our telephone lines, our telephone frequencies in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you to wash and cleanse our minds with your precious blood. Give each of us clarity of thought. Give each of us a sound and sober mind. In Jesus Christ's holy name, according to John 14, 14, to God be the glory. Amen. Fast. 
that is all the time that we have for the show today. I thank you for fellowshipping with me, and I hope that you will have an enjoyous rest of the afternoon. And until next time, may God pour out his blessings on you until we meet again.